The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. You welcome back to the Hard Shoulder, Kieran Cuddy with you until seven o'clock. It gives me great pleasure uh, to welcome Secretary, former Secretary General, my God, at the Department of Finance, uh, John Moran, uh, to studio for the Thursday interview. John, how are you? Not too bad at all. Thanks a million for uh, the opportunity to be here. Yeah, no, listen, thanks a million for for coming in, for travelling up, as they say, uh, from Limerick. How's the health? Uh, well, as you probably a lot of people know, it's been an interesting year, right? Mm. And 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 I know we kind of picked picked today to talk, and it's in the middle of a really important month because it's Bowel Cancer Awareness Month this this month in April. Um, and so, you know, it's been a, a year for me now. I mean, sounds a bit dramatic, but effectively, this time last year, almost to the week, there was a life saving operation over in the Galway Clinic because of a of a bowel obstruction which led to a diagnosis that I had bowel cancer and six months of chemo and another operation earlier this month. But you know, I'm alive and kicking now and I feel yeah. like, as Joe Biden said yesterday, it's, it feels good to be back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so d- tell me about the, that journey to diagnosis. How did it come about? Yeah, so, so I mean, there's some par- important stuff that I think we, we all need to know. And I know I just asked you the question beforehand and, and you told me you're, you're younger than I am. You're only 40, right? But I... And I'm older than 50, right? So I think you kind of get more aware of health issues as you go along. Um, but bowel cancer is almost like a silent killer, right? Mm. Uh, I mean, I had no idea that this was going on despite going for annual checkups and stuff like that. And it all of a sudden, over the course of a weekend, there was an obstruction, total obstruction of the bowel, you know, an emergency operation to, to basically release the pressure. It's a bit like an appendix, right? I mean, if it yeah. burst, I wouldn't be here today, right? Yeah. Uh, I had a great um, surgeon, Dr. Osama, down in, in the Galway Clinic. And that just manifested as pain for you. Literally as pain. I mean, it, there was, the, in retrospect, looking back, right, I had something about a year earlier, doctors diagnosed antibiotics, went away, which kind of typically wouldn't be a cure for cancer, right? So mm. you, you just assume it was something completely different that yeah. had come up in a blood test. A year later, same sort of niggling pain just below the, the waistline, um, and with disappeared again, and then over basically my birthday weekend, which is next week, you know, um, and Easter last year, it just got worse and worse. And I realized that effectively things had blocked up and there was gas forming and stuff like that. And it was misdiagnosed as constipation early. So yeah. I probably lost a critical 24 hours there. Um, so by the time I got to the Galway Clinic, it was straight in for a CT scan. There was a couple of hours wasted in UHL, which is another story, um, <laughs> you know, but. Basically, I was operated on within 24 hours and they took away 10 centimetres of my bowel in the operation, mm. you know, and left me with a stoma bag, which I've had for the year. And then that's been reversed and, and, and put back. But the crazy thing about it is you almost had no sense until then about this happening. And I suppose what really is going on this month is a lot of the messaging around this month is there's a free screening for people over 60 in Ireland. I mean, this is not just me and 10 other people. Over two and a half thousand people a, uh, a year in Ireland get diagnosed with bowel cancer, right? Yeah. And, and what's worrying, if you look at it, is I'm on the right side of 50, so to speak, for this, but one in 10 of those are under 50. So this isn't just something that old people get. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, and I guess I've got another campaign to fight now, you know, Ireland's screening starts at 60. Yeah. There's a real reason that they should be reducing that. France was 55, you know, but people under 50 are getting this. And I guess the lucky break I got, Karen, if, if I can look back and say it, is that people, I knew none of this stuff a year and a half ago, right? So, you know, now I know a lot about it, is that there are these stages to cancer, right? So we'll stay, you'll hear people talk about stage one, two, mm. three, and four. And when you get to stage three, you're pretty much 
at the end of the good part of cancer. Yeah. You know, it, that means it's still relatively local in your body, whether it's in the bowel or someplace else. And therefore, chemo and treatment and operations can tend to, to cure it. Uh, in bowel cancer, in my case, it looks like it's working. Yeah. Uh, and where I may not have a life-changing, you know, I had a bad year, but I may not have a yeah. life-changing event. But if it had gone to stage four, that's it forever, right? I mean, it may have gone beyond that in your body, may not be curable, yeah. or more importantly, you might have to have treatment on an ongoing basis the rest of your year, which life, which is really why the message that the, the, you know, yeah. the cancer society are trying to get out there is just go get tested. You know, you're 40, you'll have to promise me now that before I see you again, yeah. you just get tested for this because we don't think about that. And, and it's silly little small things, yeah. just that niggling pain, slight change in the way in which you sort of, your bowels move, you know, so not, none of which I noticed, right? So, so I mean, it's it's just really important. Or you put down to something you've eaten or yeah, something like a, that. Oh, yeah. that was indigestion or something yeah. like that. You but, know. It, it, you know, there's a, there's a Tommy Tiernan sketch and I guess why it's funny is because it resonates. Is that there's an element of truth behind it. And he, he says, I'm like every man over 40 in Ireland. I have at least one thing wrong with me that I'm ignoring in the hope that it just goes away and I don't have to deal with it. Yeah. You know, and everyone laughs. And we do that. And, and, and look, a sobering thought is if there's two and a half thousand people every year diagnosed with this, it doesn't come on over a week. Yeah. Right? So that probably means that out there in Ireland, there's over two and a half thousand people who don't know it today walking around with bowel cancer. Yes. And the quicker they figure it out, the easier it is in the treatment. The whole thing just works better. But of course, you think, oh, it's not me. Yeah. Right? Did, 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 did you know... Like at what point in that did you know you possibly had cancer? Was it after the surgery in yeah, Galway? Yeah, I, I, I actually think I got really lucky, right? I mean, I yeah. know this is kind of sounds bizarre to say it this way, right? But, but I had, when I found out that it was cancer, I immediately talked to, to friends who'd gone on a similar mm. journey. And I discovered that a lot of the problem with people is they detect something's wrong. Right? It might be a lump. It could be, you know, in, my, in, in bowel cancer, sort of, you know, one of the other symptoms. And then they have to go and try and get a doctor. Mm. And then they have to go and try and get a test. And then they have a test and they have to wait for results, right? So they've got six to eight weeks, perhaps, of agonizing. And then you find out it's cancer and you just want the thing out, right? Yes. So now you have to wait for an operation. I kind of did it in reverse, which I think really helped me a lot from a mental health issue. Because, as I said, this, this, this surgeon in, 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 in Galway, Dr. Osama, was really clever about it, right? While I was actually trying to learn how to walk again after having this massive, big sort of, you know, scar down the middle of my stomach and loads yeah. of staples, he was slowly saying, you should really see this doctor. Your brother knows an oncologist here in the clinic. Yeah. We gave you to meet him before you go on. So I was being led on this journey yeah. that by the time he actually told me the results have come back from the biopsy, you knew. Right, yeah. that, that 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 lump that had had stopped everything moving wasn't just a benign tumor; it was actually cancer. And it, yeah, I guess as well. The big intervention had happened but, yeah. in advance, so there was no trepidation and looking yeah. forward to something. Or that awful feeling, I'm sure, when people are told and they hear that word cancer and they think they just want to get on with it. I'd say yeah. there must be this awful rush to. Well, if it's there, get it out of me. Get it out of me because yeah. it's, it's not getting better, right? And whereas mine was a reversal of 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 sentiment, right? Because. Actually, I probably didn't realize how life-threatening it was going into the operation. Yeah. It was the first time I'd ever been in a general anesthetic, so I was kind of worried about what that meant, you know. Oh, really? Um, You've never been under it. I'd never been under a general anesthetic before, right? So so the, the point was, when I woke up after this, okay, I had a stoma bag, which I hadn't known what that was. Now it had to be explained to me yeah. and all this stuff. I was just happy to be alive, Yeah, you know. So the fact that I had cancer was kind of just, 
well, okay, have to deal with that now, right? Yeah. It could have been worse. Um, and, and I think people that do it in the other direction, it's much harder mentally because you kind of have that, as you say, journey to the operation and and worrying about it. You do probably have more time to get stuff organised yeah. than trying to do it at night, thinking I might be waking up tomorrow at lunchtime. But. Uh, how stressful then was the post-operative treatment, the chemotherapy and everything? Um, I... I tend to minimize it when I, when I get reminded by friends that actually it wasn't a walk in the park. Yeah. But, but there, I think... Do you that, minimize it for other people or are you minimizing it for yourself? Well, I think I feared the worst and the worst didn't happen. Okay. Right? So, so, so initially, it was a six-month effectively period. So it was every second week uh, for, for six months. So the one thing I started off saying is I want to make sure I don't have to miss one of these. Right, mm. and and some of that is staying in reasonably good health. It's looking after stuff. I mean, I was surrounded by positivity, right? So I mean, when you basically we kind of set up an area out the back of the house where you could sit down. Last summer, you remember it was pretty good weather. Yeah, friends were coming over. We'd banned negativity. We banned a lot of conversation about cancer and stuff like that. Yeah. We we're just looking at, it. and that's really important actually in its own bizarre way because you're kind of going through this in a positive way. The oncologist said afterwards, because I pretty much continued kind of messing around and doing bits of work and, and, mm. and keeping the brain going, so to speak. He says, most people that get through it actually either have kids that they have to deal with, you know, some other issues that means that they can't wake up in the morning and just feel sorry for themselves. And be, and the two kind of go together. And because you're doing that, yeah. your body's moving, you're exercising. You know, we've a red setter. He wasn't <laughs> taking no for an answer in terms of walks. Um, you know, Damien was great, my partner and my family. But but the reality was that a lot of it was all that positivity, I think. And I was lucky. You know, I think what they do is that when they set you down at the beginning, they give you the whole shebang I mean, in terms of all the stuff that could go wrong. Yes, right? okay. I wasn't really worried about the hair. Right? I mean, at, at 56, it should be going anyway, <laughs> right? But it didn't go. And I didn't have the vomiting and stuff like that. Now, okay. to be fair... They also have these treatments down. I mean, I think everyone hears, oh my God, chemo, you know, yeah. you have, you feel the worst. They really do want you to feed back. If you're feeling nauseous, they can change the treatment a little bit to make it easier. Yeah. Um, you know, the, 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 the most kind of funny in retrospect um, thing was I had started to cough at one stage and, and I thought, you know, um, picked up COVID and stuff like that, which I hadn't, right? So I went in and I mentioned this because they asked you to mention yeah. it because there are other people that are equally, in fact, more vulnerable around. So you have to be very careful. Yes. And I just said, well, look, say it up front and they immediately put me into this ward on my own. And then they came, did all these PCR tests over and above the antigen test. Yeah. And they came back and says, well, actually, you haven't got COVID. That's the good news, but you've got the flu. I'm like, well, I don't think I've had the flu. So, and then they didn't want to give me the treatment, and it was the eleventh okay. treatment, and I was determined to get. Yes, it. So I was almost going on strike in the in the ward, <laughs> saying, "You're going to give me this because I want to finish next next." And did month. you get it? And I got it. <laughs> uh, they figured I was already in the system, and I had no symptoms. Yeah, I'd actually just it was like one of those asymptomatic flus. I mean, I coughed once or twice in the previous week and not suffered. You know. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, you just battle through this, and they, then we had the the reversal operation in in earlier this this year. Uh, that's gone well. And so I kind of feel like there's some tenderness. There's this bizarre thing that goes on for at least six months and hopefully not for longer, where your fingers and your feet feel all, almost pins and needles all the yes. time. Yes. Which is an outcome of, of a chemo, which you can get or don't get, and I got it, you know. 
Yeah. Um, and so, you know, as things warm up now, it seems to be getting a little better cold weather. The one thing, another yeah. silly message for everybody out there, right, that does have to do this, because I love ice cream, right? Yeah. Uh, as did my dad, is you can't eat ice cream when you're on chemo because it's cold, right? Okay. And you can't have gin and tonics with ice cubes and all that kind of stuff, right? So if you find out you have to go to this, well, make sure to load up on the ice cream before you start. Uh, not so much the gin and tonics. Not so much maybe. the gin and tonics, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Um, so you, you, met, you, you kept working through it. Um, was that... You strike me as someone who would find it very difficult to stop working. Is that fair? It, yeah, it, I, a lot like this of wasn't I, a thing you did. I'm going to try and do this to keep my mind occupied. Yeah, like I said, I you said, just did this. I your this is your nature. Is I it? said, let's stop and write a book or stuff like that, right? So by the time I got into you know we our treatment ten, once upon a time, the book hadn't started. <laughs> yeah. I was now thinking maybe I'll write a children's book because it's shorter and easier <laughs> to write. Right? Yeah, I still haven't written that either. Right? Um, no, I think I'm naturally curious. Right? So a bit it's probably harder for you, but I mean a lot of my work is reading stuff, it's watching stuff, it's talking to people. So what do you do when you rest, right? You read books and you talk to people. So mm-hmm. in a way, it wasn't that difficult to continue. I didn't do as much as I would normally, right? I mean, but I did enough to to, to kind of keep, an, you know, involved in stuff. And and I had some great people I work with and clients who said, if you don't feel well on a Monday, we'll do it on Tuesday. You know? Yes. Whereas I think if I had to turn up someplace and I really feel sorry for the type of people that have to go nine to five or eight to four every day, five days of a week, you know, they're going to a workplace and working from there, that would be a lot harder because there were moments when you just didn't feel up to and it. And were there ever points when you had to kind of confide in clients where you felt a bit embarrassed about it? Well, I pretty much told everybody You just told off. it straight yeah. off, right? I've got cancer here. I've got cancer. I have a stoma bag, you know. Yeah. Hopefully it won't leak. Hopefully, you know, yeah. I won't... You know, but just get it all out there. If I there. could be a, a fart in the middle of a meeting and you hear the bubble, you yeah. know. But... It was actually easier to just get it all out there. Initially, I think your tendency, again, I think it's an Irish male thing, is maybe yeah. we shouldn't tell people. Yeah. Actually, it's so much easier when you just say it. You know, not that you want sympathy, but people are just that bit more understanding. You're, you know, if you kind of on a, on a session or you just, the call's going on for an hour and you're just starting to feel tired, you might say, listen, I just need to take a five minute break. Yes. Yeah. Whereas you wouldn't have done that before, you know, and, and everybody knows why. Yes. You know, I mean, and nobody says anything and they just say, yeah, we'll take a coffee break, you know. Was there a point in it where you kind of felt you, maybe you didn't need to face your own mortality? I think that happened for me at the beginning, Yeah. right? And I, and I think that, you know, that was probably the shock in some respects, right, um, of the whole thing. And you do that and you kind of think about, hmm, what was I focusing on? And I think I will probably look at this year and next year and the year after a bit different than if I hadn't that. I mean, I think it's inevitable, right? I think for some in some ways, before that, I always kind of chose things to do that I felt were meaningful to mm. me anyway. But I'm even more so that way now. So, I mean, you know, by looking at what I spend my time doing, it's very much, yeah, I'm doing that because it matters, you know, or or I'll try and do that now because maybe it won't be around next year. And of course, that's ridiculous because I've done the blood tests only two days ago. If they all work out next week, yeah. in effect, I should be around until I find something else around me in a couple of years' time. But you do become aware of the fact that you have to watch that. And I, I think one of the great things about the whole year has been reconnecting with friends. Really? And family, you know, because you do change the dial a little bit in terms of the importance of stuff, you know, and saying, well, I'll actually just connect up with them and, and kind of, you know, Damien and I are running a kind of a, a bit of a dinner series, 
you know, on a Saturday nights where we're actually purposefully saying, well, I haven't spoken to them for a while. Let's try and actually, okay. you know, get, make sure we to go to their place. It, but isn't it, sorry, isn't it just such a pity that you have to go through cancer to get to that point? Yeah, because I think isn't we, it? we all run around the place doing <laughs> yeah. lots of other things, you know. Um, and, you know, yeah. maybe I'd have done it when I hit my 60th birthday anyway, right? Um, but, but I think it's just kind of, I think COVID did that a lot with a lot of people in Ireland anyway. Yeah. But look how quickly we kind of... Well, we just, we all went back, went back to normal. Went back to normal, right? Yeah. And so it probably means, give me, if we were having this interview in six months, time, I'll probably be back to normal again. Yeah, exactly. Well, right. well, remember those dinner parties <laughs> myself and Davey? Yeah, we were supposed yeah. to try yeah, and have every Saturday night, you know? Like, so is there a point at which, like, a, a point in time where you, you'd be able to say, I'm cured of... of Cancer, yeah, so, are you at that point? So the way it works, I mean, it, it's a very, really important question. So so the the test that they did to do the reversal suggested that there's no more growths, there's none of that stuff. Mm. They've done the camera sort of, you know, inside the bowel to check that no, there's nothing there. So you pretty much then think of it as a five-year journey. Okay? okay. Cancer, if it comes back, tends to come back within that timetable, much more so than in seven years or ten years. Yeah. So it's every three months for the first year or two. Because yeah. obviously the closer you are, the more likely it is to occur. Mm. So I've just, in the middle of that, I pretty much do it now, kind of first week of the every quarter, go in for the blood test, check with the oncologist, that's okay, that's next week. So all going well, that's okay. That gives me another three months to wait. And then you go six months and then you go to a year as you go through the five years because it's less yeah. likely to happen. And you just monitor it a bit more carefully than, than you would otherwise. And fingers crossed, you know, a lot of people do actually not get a reoccurrence and... Hopefully, I'm one of those. You know? Do are you a different person post cancer? I, I think you are. I mean, inevitably, yeah. I mean, I think the hashtag cancer survivor label, so to speak, you yeah. know, does change you. I think, like you said, I have a different campaign now, right? I have to try and get everybody out there, you know, to think about this thing. I mean, it's the second most common cancer in males in Ireland, you know, and and 1994, right? So we all remember the World Cup in the USA. Mm. The, the incidence of bowel cancer in Ireland and indeed internationally has almost doubled since 1994. Is that because we're living longer or our diets changed? No, no, as in younger people as well, right? Okay. So, so it must be diets, it could be stress, it could be lots of things we just haven't figured out yet. And and so again, the, the strong message of like, just go get tested, you know, yeah. and I really would love the government to be doing that for free because people shouldn't have to pay for this because ultimately the quicker you diagnose somebody, the less mm. of a burden they are on themselves, their family and on the, the health system, you know. It's been an absolute pleasure and thanks a million for coming in and it is important, Bowel Cancer Awareness Month, we're slap bang in the middle of it so it is an important message I think uh, for you to share with people and thank you again. No problem, thank you for the opportunity to shine a light on this problem. John Moran, former Secretary General at the Department of uh, Finance. Uh, that's our lot for The Hard Shoulder today. Off the ball, they are up next. I'll be back tomorrow from four. Have a great evening folks. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.